podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Austin Villa fans, and welcome to Further Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined by the wonderful Dougie Critchley from Football Daily. You'll have seen him on Sky Sports, uh, Sky Sports News, and you'll also maybe you guys would have listened to his Dougie Critchley Player Profiles podcast, one that I listened to, and that's kind of why we're talking today because he did a really, really good bite-sized podcast on Moose at the Abbey. But firstly, Dougie, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to talk about a very exciting player. I think this is a really, really fun transfer. Excellent, because Aston Villa fans are, we're having a sneaky good off-season so far with regards to recruitment, but we've kind of, like, I, th- I think Villa fans were, I'm not going to say scratching their heads at the Thielemann signing, but we have a decent midfield already, and we were obviously fortifying that again. We have three very, very decent centre-halves in, in, in Mings, Kanza and, and Diego Carlos. And then we obviously spent the bones of 40 million on, uh, on Pau Torres. And we are, we're always wondering, where's this firepower going to come from up, up top? So Moussa Diaby has definitely been one that's wet the appetite of a lot of Aston Villa fans. And I've done a small little bit on him. I've spoken about him. But, uh, you know, it, you can never have too many people's opinions on players, specifically people who watch them, who've, who've, uh, who are excited about them, as you, said you, as you said you are. So tell us, I suppose, really... A lot of Villa fans, I don't know what it is. A lot of football fans, shall I say, Premier League fans even. You know, when a, cl- when a player comes from a different league, and Moussa Diaby has, um, do you think, I suppose, first of all, that Moussa Diaby can translate his, his electric form over the last four years from Leverkusen to, to the Premier League? I think there's never a guarantee in football. And I think we've seen that over the last few years with any transfer, not just Bundesliga players. But, you know, say that the club is, you know, 90% sure that a signing is going to work out. They're kind of 90% sure in every category that they're going to work out in that they're 90% sure he's going to adapt to a new country or a new league. They're 90% sure about how he's going to fit into that side. They're 90% sure about how he's going to get along with his teammates, with his manager, etc. So actually, if you take that all down, 90% of all those different factors, you end up with about 50% of transfers actually working. But I think Moussa Diaby has a really good shot. And I know a lot of Premier League fans that are looking to belittle this signing will probably point to the fact that, oh, there's a Bundesliga tax, which is something that I've never really particularly believed in. I know that in recent examples, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Jadon Sancho have all struggled to live up to the billing. But if you go back a little bit further, Roberto Firmino, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, Son Heung-min, these are all players that have just lit up the Premier League in the last few years and have dominated, dominated it in a way that we probably hadn't seen before from players coming from the Bundesliga. So I think it's a little bit short-sighted to say there's any long-term hold uh, over players that arrive from that country. And I also like the fact that he has experience at a top club already, at PSG. He joined them the year after Unai Emery actually left the club uh, in 2019. Um, and yeah, well, he came through the academy there and joined their first team, I should say. So yeah, that was really the year that we saw him, you know, mixing it with the superstars that PSG had at the time and playing pretty well as well. Uh, made 34 appearances that season, then joined Bar Leverkusen which was a really exciting project. And he's had some great times at Bayer Leverkusen, excelled in the Champions League. And in the last couple of years, 
has really stepped it up in the league as well. And his output has just got better and better. So I think this is a, a real coup for Villa uh, and one that I was surprised they managed to pull off because I did think he was going to go to a Champions League club this summer. That's, uh, yeah, I, I think the fact that you, uh, the word you used there, coup, I think that's one that would be uh, has been regularly attached to this signing. And I, I think it is. And it just goes to show, I suppose, you know, when, when, when you kind of get it right or when you've got this feel-good feeling about your project, as you mentioned Leverkusen had when he joined from, from PSG, Villa have a kind of a feel-good feeling about their project under Professor Unai and, and under our, our, uh, our deep-pocketed owners as well. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned something about the Bundesliga tax there, but um, and, and, and it brought my mind back to think that uh, we've obviously... Uh, you, you mentioned a couple of players, should I say, that maybe have and haven't uh, let, lit up the Premier League. And Leon Bailey is another person, I suppose, really, that you could have added to that list here with Aston Villa. Um, had some flashes of real brilliance, but has, has some other uh, flashes of uh, you know inconsistency as well. A lot of Aston Villa fans kind of, they're... they're they're painting the two people, the two uh, players kind of on a parallel track saying, well, they're very, very, very similar. And I think really my view is that if you look at them statistically, maybe you could make that point. But when you look at the two of them play, there, there is there is differences, I think, in the two players, even just in the way that they run, even though just stylistically the way that they run. But, but tell us more about Moussa Diaby, I suppose, in the style and how he plays. And, and then we can maybe let our listeners make up their own mind if it sounds like Leon Bailey or not. Yeah, I think the key difference between them is that Leon Bailey, even as in his time at Bayer Leverkusen, was kind of a moments player. You know, there was lots of injury issues there. Um, there were some, you know, moments that he was dropped from the team for various reasons. I think it was under Petter Bosch at the time, who didn't have the best record at Leverkusen uh, and probably didn't use him as effectively as he could have. But I was personally quite surprised when Aston Villa went for Leon Bailey over Moussa Diaby at the time. And I remember going on Sky and talking about that just because it felt like Moussa Diaby, who at the time was playing on the left, was a more natural replacement for Jack Grealish, who'd just left that summer. Uh, whereas Leon Bailey came in on the right and, as you say, has struggled with the consistency and injuries. Whereas, you know, Moussa Diaby's actually only missed two games in four seasons through injury at Bar Leverkusen. And one of which was for COVID, which is obviously completely out of his own hands. So it feels like they're coming at it from a slightly different angle and we talk about Leon Bailey in terms of his moments look he scored some spectacular long-range goals he scored some excellent free kicks at Bar Leverkusen but Moussa Diaby is just a consistent threat in and you know in behind his finishing's got so much better in the last few years he's got an all-round game that I think Leon Bailey probably never had in the same way he's got pace that I think Leon Bailey probably never had I think he was clocked at 36 kilometers per hour last year which is like 23 miles per hour I think that was the fourth quickest in the Bundesliga. Uh, and to put that into a bit of context, I think Mikhailo Mudrik in his first game against Liverpool in the, in the Premier League for Chelsea was about 36.6. And we've seen how quick Mudrik is and how it looks almost inhuman how he can be that fast. So Moussa Diaby's not far off that sort of pace. And it felt like at times Aston Villa last season were slightly maybe riding their luck in terms of Ollie Watkins going on this amazing run. And I do think he is a player capable of keeping that going over future seasons. But they definitely needed more sources of goals. You know, the backup behind uh, Watkins, now Ings has left, is really quite thin. And Moussa Diaby is very capable of, of contributing both in terms of goals and assist assists rather so last year he got 12 goals and nine assists in 43 games that was 17 league goal contributions the season before that it was 25 14 the year before that so I think for for Moussa Diaby to come in at this 50 million pound price and I think 
Aston Villa fans could potentially expect around 15 league goals and assists, which I think would be a really good return because you did have a very solid defence last year under Unai Emery, but you only had the 10th best attack in terms of goals mm. scored. So you definitely needed to add more firepower. And Moussa Diaby with that lightning speed, that really good agility, those really clever runs in behind into the shadow of, a, of you know, the, the defender. Um, I think he's going to be really, really effective and one that Aston Villa players, Aston Villa players are really going to love finding those runs. And based on what you said there, Villa fans would have expected, I suppose, maybe a striker to come in before a winger, even though Unai Emery has said time and time and time again that he really wants a winger. He went and alluded to the fact that he wanted more pace in the team. With the fact that Emery likes to keep a tight squad, doesn't like to have an overinflated squad and likes versatile players, do you think that maybe Musa Diaby might be able to to mature into maybe that second striker role or maybe play up top with Ollie Watkins at times this year? Because once Jacob Ramsey comes back, you would imagine he's going to occupy that left-hand side of midfield again. And to give us more options, maybe play Leon Bailey on the right-hand side uh, of midfield and, uh, and play Diaby up top. Do you think that's something you could mature into? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he actually spent the first part of his time in the PSG Academy as a striker, which I didn't actually realise until a few weeks ago when I was reading a report on him. But yeah, he was a striker in his youth. They then thought, oh, he may be maybe a little bit lightweight to play up top by himself. So he changed the wing uh, and was used all across the pitch for PSG. At Bar Leverkusen, he's mainly been stationed on the right in the last few years. I mean, last year, Xabi Alonso played a 3-4-3 or an iteration of it. And he had Jeremy Frimpong causing absolute carnage alongside him. And they had one of the most you know, exciting partnerships to watch in world football last year. And that's my only real concern about Moussa Diaby is that, you know, so much of his space that he was afforded to, the Bundesliga naturally, you know, it's a much more transitional game that is more space afforded to him. And, you know, he had this overlapping fullback who, you know, Matty Cash is probably not quite his game, or at least he's not quite at the level of Jeremy Frimpong, at least going forward or running into space. And he's definitely not quite as quick. So that is the slight concern with Moussa Diaby. But I do think Unai Emery could potentially utilise a pretty variable 4-4-2 at times with Ramsey, as you say, you know, starting as a, in a 4-2-3-1 and then maybe dropping in to becoming that extra midfielder. Same with McGinn. And then Diaby pushes up alongside Watkins. He's also a pretty effective presser as well. I think he's reasonably smart in terms of knowing uh, when to drop off, when to put some pressure on as well. Um, not massive defensive numbers in terms of his actual tackles and interceptions, but this is a guy that's used to counter-attacking football uh, and seems pretty well set for a side like Aston Villa who like to you know, sit off teams to a certain extent amongst, well, whilst also playing a high line and then break at pace uh, and cause a lot of damage. And I think Ollie Watkins, a similarly pacey player, is going to really enjoy playing alongside him. Excellent. Well, that you've actually really whet my appetite when you mentioned about an overlapping lapping fullback because if we do play him on the left hand side, Alex Moreno nearly put up a deck chair in in the opposition's uh, in the opposition's penalty box last season. He was up there so much, so that does um, really kind of get me thinking about where we could utilize Musa Diaby in situational games uh, against certain opposition, and and obviously why keeping that marauding running style of Alex Moreno as well. Um, Dougie, thank you so much for your time today. You've really, really given us some great insight on Musa Diaby. I really, really appreciate it. For everybody who's listening today, obviously, you know, if you don't know football daily, I can't help you because that means <laughs> you're, do you're, you're doing football uh, football fandom all wrong. So look, you know, maybe, maybe if you're just starting, maybe if you're just getting into it, this, this might be your epiphany to get watching that, but you should definitely get watching it, get listening to it with Dougie and all the guys there as well. Also, 
Um, as I mentioned, Doug, uh, Dougie Critchley's Prayer Profiles uh, podcast. I think you've got five or six podcasts up there at the moment. And it's it's actually really interesting. Uh, you've got one on Nico Williams as well. Somebody that mm. Aston Villa were, were linked to it. And you've also got one on, on Team Coop Myers as well. Somebody who I would lay down and uh, have people throw hot, Nails. I was going to say <laughs> nails on the bed of nails or throw hard eye at me. I can't remember what it was, but I, so I mixed my two analogies. If if he was the sign for Aston Villa, because I think uh, I think he's a really really underrated player, albeit playing with Atlanta at the moment. So you've got lots and lots of stuff that you can digest there, guys. As well, it's only in bite sized form as well. So if you're uh, if you're on your lunch break, you'll have uh, plenty of time to eat your sandwich and listen to this at the same time. Um. So so I hope you do, guys do check it out. But Dougie, thank you so much for your time. I really really appreciate it and. Uh, uh, yeah, you've got us all excited about Musa Diaby. Absolute pleasure. Best of luck for the new season. And of course, uh, the return of European football to Villa Park as well. Exciting times. There you go. Everybody's going to love you for that one. Reminding <laughs> us of that again. And for yourselves, I suppose, in, in, I should have asked you, could I, could I use that photograph of you? I just pulled it from the internet, that photograph of you earlier on in the, in the uh, Sunderland shirt. Um, but uh, obviously, uh, you guys are openly mobile as well in the last season. So wishing, uh, wishing Sunderland all the best in the coming season too as well. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Exciting times for both clubs. Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for watching and for listening. We'll be back again really, really soon. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.